Welcome to Say That, the podcast for your big questions, get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. And joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. I am wearing my microphone. Yes, you are. Let's see if anyone else is. Jed Brewer, the director of Mission USA Productions. Today I'm wearing my microphone. Yes, yeah. keen, some keen-eared listeners noticed that on our last episode, Jed was not so much wearing his microphone during this part <laughs> of the program. <laughs> Jed is an engineering and sound recording professional. <laughs> he thought maybe he found a workaround. He did not. Yeah. Joining us all the way from Oak Ridge, Tennessee, one of the pastors of Christ Church, and a man who doesn't even have to clip his microphone to his head to remember to hold it in front of him, Lee Younger. I just figured it's because you guys didn't want to give me a wearable microphone. Sure. I think that's safe. Nobody offered me a wearable microphone. Where's my wearable microphone? That's what I want to know about this. I wasn't expecting Lee to be the one to come with the groundless uh, aggression right there, and I'm proud of him. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Yeah, that's we're, good. We're finally having an impact on it. Yeah. <laughs> L- let me ask you this, Lee. Do you feel like you deserve to wear the Britney mic? Look, not only do I deserve to wear the Britney mic, but I'm really, really upset that nobody's even thought to ask me until this moment, however many episodes in, how I would feel about a Britney mic. Wow. Well, I feel like whenever yeah. you guys wear your Britney mics, pretty cheap Britney mics. <laughs> you're wearing them at me. Oh, wow. we are. Oh, we definitely are. We are. It's uh, 24 karat gold, diamond encrusted. I think it's really more. I think you guys have really more of a Jessica Simpson mic than a Britney mic. <laughs> Normally, Lee, this mic costs thirty-seven thousand dollars, but for you, my friend, today only fifteen. Fifteen dollars. Wow. That's the thirty-seven thousand dollars model probably has a certain amount of sound sound dampening, which our models don't. Which is why you may have heard Jed just gently <laughs> rubbing his mic as he was taunting <laughs> Lee over the Skype. There, that's if a, you heard that and thought, "Well, that's weird." It's way weirder what happened than what you heard. Yeah, yeah, he's a professional. That's yeah. the main thing. Yes, I feel like this is not the strongest way to open a show where we tell people. <laughs> <laughs> our opinions on quandaries they have in life, but you know, got to keep it humble. I think on that basis, I declare the right to On the basis of our unqualification, un- this could go badly for us. That's right. Well, it's a deep well. There's a lot to get into. Yeah, yeah. I had something. What, what did I have? <laughs> you had that I was going to bring up saying congratulations to someone, and then you were going to bust in with the emergency. That's it. Oh, this is not, you know what? Press if you on. wrote in your question this week <laughs> and you feel like, you know, I'm going to resubmit that question in a month or so and maybe they're more on their game, no one's going to blame you. Yeah. Here, here's the thing we only worked one thing out before we hit record and it, <laughs> it's already it gone. totally fell apart, flew it's, right out of my head. I, I know, but King and I were talking about this before we started. Like, oh God. W- both of us, our sleep schedules have just been destroyed because the sun hasn't been out in 96 hours. Right. Yeah. So, like, neither of us have slept in. A long time, right. appreciably. So you're getting pretty much hallucinogenic advice here. So okay. yeah. again, wow. if if you if you if you hear this episode, and your question one of those you just and you want to send an email that says, "Why don't you try that again, champ?" <laughs> We're not going to hold that against you. Okay, it's probably right. Take another swing. Yeah. Uh, one thing we will do, uh, hopefully, in our even in our uh, sleep-addled state, we will remember to say uh, say that congratulations. Wow. Mm-hmm. To our friends Mike and Nicole. Who, Woo! Uh, yeah. 
who are definitely say that super fans and that they had us record a very ill-advised video for their wedding reception, they which they apparently have, inflicted they on have, Mike's relatives. They must have regretted that. Almost certainly. We regretted it. I regretted it the minute we recorded it. Yep. But, uh, <laughs> and they are married, uh, which will make this next announcement put it in a certain light. They're also pregnant. Woo! So, more babies. That's we pretty cool. make babies no you know that's right that, i do not know that is right that statement has not been evaluated by the say that Drake on the podcast objectively no. empirically true yes. no. say that podcast not what objective babies. or empirical right. means before we got there no babies we got there babies babies never, never got there never met mike and nicole they very wisely did not invite us to their wedding had us do a pre-recorded <laughs> video that they could uh strike Decide at the last second even though they chose not to, showing how uh, how well brave they are, really. Lee, you got some on this? Yeah, my question is, okay, Mike and Nicole are pregnant. Awesome. Is yes. it too late for us to uh, genetically engineer Super Baby in this particular situation? Both too late and ethically and legally questionable. Whoa, hold on now. <laughs> the Say That Engineering department. department is working hard on the Super Baby, as is the Say That Ethics Department. Now, let's let's make this clear. We were talking this uh, past uh, week and a little bit ago to some super fans from Tennessee. Mm, that's the true. first thing they wanted to talk about when we sat down was what's the status on the super big? Exactly. A representative of no less an organization than the United States Air Force. Mm, that's right. right. To get into some super baby talk. That's because, you know, that's the, the maybe the military would have a use for this technology. Absolutely. <laughs> I don't I'm not I'm not saying that they definitely would. You're basically picturing kind of a, the, a Weapon the, X t- type deal. No question. I'm picturing also a King Kong, the new King Kong movie, but it's just a giant baby. <laughs> exactly yeah. right. That's yeah. basically. Which, if you got some time and know how to use After Effects, I think that'd be a pretty funny YouTube uh, video. Let me tell you what: if, if you're going to, into battle, yeah, you know what I mean, and you're seeing a four times the normal size super baby yeah. come marching at you, yeah, you get a whole new perspective. Yeah. Also, uh, four times the wisdom. So the tactical advantage no on super baby side. Oh come on, yeah, you can't defeat the super baby. Yeah, I mean that's the, just, the four times the wisdom claim probably uh, holds more heft in episodes that didn't start the way this one did. Well, there is that. <laughs> so, yeah. So, Super Baby technology continues to move sure, forward. Sure, that's concerned. We'll, we'll the, table that discussion th- for now. That's that's one fork of this thing. Sure, but the other is. fork is we make babies happen. Nope. Yes. Not yeah. true. So, you know, you're welcome for the The only babies. one of us who can even remotely make that claim in real life is Lee. Mm. Well, Lee has yeah. technically made babies happen. That's absolutely true. Yeah. I don't think we were directly involved in that. Or any other one being my greater (laughs) point. (laughs) Well, but this brings us to the all-important, if you have a a regular, say that, baby, that is to say not a genetically enhanced four times the normal size four DNA super baby, but if you have a baby that is inspired by the podcast. Right. Wow. That, essentially, that nope. essentially happened because of the podcast. Not signing right. off on inspired by either. Uh, <laughs> here's, you know, we, I feel, should have a very strong say in what you name the child. Obviously. That right? just goes without saying. Okay. It's a, this is a child, not a football stadium, Glenn. You cannot <laughs> give naming rights to someone. But here's, so I sent, they announced, you know, okay, baby. Sure, sure. and I said, uh, congratulations or whatever. 
What what are we naming this child? Yes. That so, is that is I have the tweet in front of me that is far too close <laughs> to the actual verbiage. I w I wasn't making it up. That's what no, I said. Sure. But, but read read off the entire exchange there. Yes, okay. So uh, Mike and Nicole put a you know, as people do in church a very effective way to just let all your friends and family know that this is happening in your life. They put up the tweets and the Instagrams. So uh go and respond on Twitter and I quote, No pressure or anything, but have you given any thought as to which member of the podcast you're naming the baby after? Right, right. <laughs> it, obviously, it wasn't in the micro machines kind of speed there, but I kind of pictured it happening that way. Right, just slide yeah, it right. in, yeah. And uh, Nicole, uh, who proving that she's a, fa- a fantastic person and yeah. really puts up with far more of our nonsense than anyone should, uh, s- says we really we've really given it a lot of thought. Right now, we're leaning toward say that super baby emergency last name withheld. Mm, mm. She withhold their last name. I am because. They didn't sign up to be part of this, really, at this point. Yeah. Um, and uh, Mike uh, taps in and says, well, either that or Glenn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think uh, that's a strong option as well. Sure. It's a bet on wheel. You seem to care less about the whole Super Baby thing now that Glenn is brought into the possibility. Well, yeah, I mean, because it's, uh, you know, I mean, you're you're saying something to the world. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, uh, you know, it's like uh, if you name your child Victor... Yes. You're trying to say this guy's a winner. Sure. It's much better than naming sure. your child loser. That's, that's uh, right. That's, that's right. not a good way to go. That's... If you name your child Victor with a K, you're saying he will just break you in half. Yes. Right. Yes. So, um, so yeah, you know, I think you can't go wrong with either of those two options. Sure. Well, and, and the if you're going to go with the Glenn option, it really does bring up the point of what – Obviously, Glenn being the shortened form, what do you want the full name to be? We've we are you your Glennards, yes, Glenjamins, yes. Just how formal do you want to go? Which which branch of the uh, the language tree do you want to go down there? Well, I I like Glenford. Glenford sure. is good. Glenniman, yeah. Glenn-man. But we're assuming male. We're assuming this is a baby right. boy. If it's a baby right. girl, we got Glennifer. That's sure. a right. fine option. Wow, that's right. a good point. Right. Sure, yeah. a lesser mind would have gone right for Glenda. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. but not but not Jed. Not no. Jed Glennifer. I think that's the winning name. Yeah. Uh, well, let me ask this question. What would legalistic Jed recommend mm. uh, 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 in terms of this really entire Old Testament? Yeah, just like what's what's appropriate? <laughs> a nice Glenadia, something like that. <laughs> what's the best way to, to name this Glenn child? Dawson. You know, the, to be biblically correct about it, of ah. course. Well, Glenn, I'm uh, that physical transportation. That physical transformation took longer than normal for Legalistic Jed. Right. I'm super tired, Glenn. I'm um, well. I'm glad that you asked. Glad is the wrong word. This is a heavy burden to mm. be placed on me, but I will try is to it? bear it well. <laughs> the ancient followers of our Lord believed that a name held a almost prophetic quality, mm. that it would speak to the kind of life and calling mm. that this uh, person... Hasn't pretty much every culture in the history of the earth thought that? Uh, yes, but they are pagans. Um, <laughs> That's true. That, that person's life, a, a sense of mission, um, mm. a, a yes. holy writ, if you will. Yes. And yes. so... I when I think of what the world needs now, is it um, love, sweet love? No, it is certainly not that. Uh, is it judgment, um, sweet judgment? I think judgment is a good candidate for the name. Sure, okay. <laughs> a little more, it's a little more Puritan oh than ancient Hebrew. <laughs> <laughs> judgment of our Lord, last name. Our child. This is our son, Judge Smith. I don't think we're going to beat that. <laughs> wow. Yeah, just he's walking around as an adult. My name is, you know, Judge Smith. 
<laughs> really? You're a, you're a judge? No, that's just my nope, name. Nope, I'm an accountant. That's just the name. <laughs> well, you say that. I did go to high school with a gentleman, and I don't know if he was he, he was a little older than me. I don't know if Lee was around. He was around. Uh, his name was Sir David Pettis. Yes, As in his first name was Sir, and Sir. his middle name was David. Wow. Oh, it's yeah. a strong choice. Did it's impressive. You could, you could be a viceroy. <laughs> we spend too much time together. You could be a Maharaja. Yeah. Go ahead, Lee. Also, one of the one of the things, you know, babies these days, there's there's all kind of all kinds of things you can buy to make sure that your baby is, you know, smarter and you know, increase oh. you know, kind of change the way they think, that kind of stuff. There's a lot of Uncle Glenn's super baby formula available at all fine retailers. <laughs> what I'm saying is they've got like, you know, they they've got little like uh, you know, albums of classical music to make sure your baby's oh. listening to what you know even before they're born. You know, right, uh, you sure. put the headphones right there on the right. on the belly kind of deal. So my question is, are Mike and Nicole just going to go ahead and start just feeding the all, the podcast back catalog around oh. the clock? Just prenatal to make sure say that, that. Wow. exactly prenatal. That suggestion has that. not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. That I mean, can so long as it still can exists. a baby that small handle that much wisdom mm. it's a really good question mm. we didn't I mean, you don't reinforce our wisdom receptors well i mean I some mean, of the wisdom i mean you're getting wisdom for two now right so i mean it's just some of the wisdom's going to the mom some of the wisdom's going to the baby right so right. Not how that works the umbilical cord exactly right nope. it's coming yeah. right down the the pipe there yeah zero degrees in biology on this show yeah. <laughs> i mean the plumbing is zero past college the, level courses in the, biology the wisdom can show. barely get through to the um, umbilical did you use the word too. plumbing <laughs> <laughs> I catch it's, a niner in it's there. A, it's a series of tubes. It most certainly is not, sir. <laughs> but uh, you, you know, uh, you know, I think you you have to, you know, baby proof your house totally for the say that wisdom. Sure, you know, watch yep. out for sharp corners and sure, things. absolutely. You know what I mean, absolutely. Kids just he's just he's just freaking out. Right, right. So you know, it, you know, you have to be in moderation about these things. Makes perfect sense to me. I think that's just uh, sound medical advice. Absolutely. Well, I think in the uh, in the uh, the light of that train wreck, where I we tried to say a nice congratulations, and uh, ended up saying incredibly offensive, biologically inaccurate, <laughs> and uh, really religiously judgmental things, I'm I'm gonna go ahead and declare, declare emergency off. Emergency off. Yeah. But congratulations on congratulations on in a in a rare moment of sincerity during the opening part of the show we will heartily say congratulations Mike and Nicole you guys can be awesome parents Ooh, yeah. so, so cool for you. so we cool. make babies we make the babies N- nope also uh, in, in in addition to the podcast Mike and Nicole of course are Bridgebox subscribers but they're getting some extra wisdom yeah this month we're talking about what does God want me to do with my money that's yep. going to come up in April right now in March we're talking about what does failure say about me and. In every bridge box branch on top, you'll get sermons from Glenn and myself. You'll get songs from Jed and Lee. You'll get Bible studies. You'll get some extras from our friends Pete and Tasha. Occasionally, we'll have a guest devotional contributor. Lots of awesome stuff for only $8 a month, which goes directly to fund the ministry we do up here. Check it out, missionusa.com slash bridgebox. We are going to jump to our first question here. If you have a question for us, hang out with us all the way to the end. I'll give you the ways you can get in touch with us. First one comes in anonymously to our Tumblr inbox, and it says... How do you generally feel happy for other people's successes or good fortune? I can't help feeling jealous or passive-aggressive or resentful. Jed, now that you've transferred out of the legalistic Jed character, yeah. and therefore are less passive-aggressive and resentful, why don't you start us off? Sure. 
Well, thank you for writing in. For what it's worth, I know what it's like to feel jealous and passive aggressive and resentful. And I'm sorry, because those are really crappy ways to feel. Yeah. Um, and, and I know, too, that if you're struggling with that, it, it means you've been dealing with a lot of disappointments in your own life. Uh, and I'm, I'm sorry for that as well. Here's the thing I would encourage you on is you say, how do you feel happy for others? I don't think that's actually the right goal. Um, I don't think that feeling happy for people, A, you can't make yourself feel a certain way. Mm -hmm. Uh, Feelings don't work that way. Uh, But actually, this is the key thing is that doesn't do them any good. You feeling happy for them doesn't accomplish anything. What you can decide to do, regardless of the emotions you have at any given moment, is you you can decide to take the step to actively celebrate their Mm -hmm. success Mm -hmm. with them that you can do and you should do because you will feel better and they need it so here's a beginning guide to how you actively celebrate something somebody says i i got the i got the job now inwardly you're thinking must be nice to have a job and that's okay (laughs) we've all we've all been there but here's what you say out loud this rocks and you rock and i salute you and i celebrate it and now we must get ice cream to celebrate which i am paying for Right. Because you have a job and that is great. Right. Um, you are now celebrating. Yeah. It's A, the moment you start saying those words and you see a smile on their face, you're going to start to feel differently. That's really um, true. That, that sense of, of jealousy is going to start to abate because you're mm-hmm. a part of the celebration. It'll be good for you, but it'll also be good for them because here's why. The funny thing is very, very few people will actually help others celebrate. Very few. Definitely true. You've got people that maybe they don't struggle with jealousy in the same way, or you know, maybe they're just hiding it or whatever. But the best that most people do is go, Oh, that's uh Mm. that's good. Mm. That's that's real good. Things are going good at my job. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's good. It's real good. I can tell you the number of people in in a a standard person's life, the number of people that say, That is awesome. Mm. This a good thing has happened, and I am delighted, and I celebrate it, and it's overdue ice cream time is vanishingly small. Oh, yeah. That's really true. And they need it. Whoever your friend is that has something to celebrate, they need it. I I think one of the things that we miss as a culture is um, when you skip the celebration, you skip a big part of the blessing. Um, You know, and um, I think one of the things that you can do for your friends is be that person that helps them celebrate it. And not only will that help them, it will help you overcome your struggle with jealousy at the exact same time and reframe these things in a completely different way. Mm. Yeah, it's an absolutely fantastic way to start. And Leah, I'd love to get you to pick us up there. I think Jed makes a very important point at the base of what he's saying, which is that you, you can't wait for the feeling to drive the action. You really, yeah. really do need to do that the other way around. It's a very, very sharp point. I think if you can do that, there are going to be some mindsets that will fall along the way. And one is this false idea of scarcity. I think when mm. you let the emotion run you to, if someone else gets a promotion, if you don't, if you weren't up for the exact same promotion, it right. <laughs> doesn't make any actual sense to feel jealous. Yeah, no. Now you're still going to feel it emotionally, but I think one of the ways we can get away from that is by doing something that doesn't, <laughs> work to taking these actions Jed's talking about that doesn't play into those. But then what mindsets are we looking to have on the other side of those actions? Uh, that's a great question. And I love the way you set that up because I think that if we, if we buy into the idea that everything that we feel has a point, then we're not going to see things the right way around. Mm-hmm. So exactly as you're saying, when something good happens to somebody else, if I'm not, you know, if, I, if I'm not feeling my life right now, then I feel like you have won, therefore I have lost. Yep. Yeah. Even though, as you're saying, if we're not up for the same job or the same promotion or the same whatever, then you something good happening to you and your job doesn't mean that that you know now something 
less is happening to me or something good didn't happen to me. But that's just that's just the first emotion that we feel. But if we if we if we go into the situations of our life thinking that all my emotions have a point, then we, we don't even criticize any of those things. We don't even ask questions about the emotions that we're feeling. We don't let them, you know, <clears throat> we don't we don't look at that and say, does that does that emotion have a point? Is that emotion a complete lie, whatever. Because at the base of these things is this idea that when something good happens to somebody, that represents a threat to my happiness and to, yeah. mm-hmm. to, and to the good of my life, because basically all of life is a competition. Uh, I, I'm competing against everyone. And if I'm competing against everyone, then either things are happening good for me and I'm winning, or things are happening good for you and I'm losing now. So <clears throat> what what we have to do is to kind of get away from this idea. What I love about Jed's suggestion is if I go ahead and decide in the action of celebrating where you are, now I'm not competing on w- with you. We're on the same team. And that's a really cool thing. It's a really good way to get away from those natural emotions that you're going to feel of just uh, if you win, I lose kind of deal. The other thing is, as a person who believes in Jesus... The, the one of the great things about the good news of the gospel is I'm not racing anybody. I, I'm I have I have get, taken myself out of the race. See, uh, Jesus has given me an eternal life I don't deserve. He's given me forgiveness I could never ever earn. He's given me a, a righteousness that I could not cobble together no matter how much time and how much a leg up that you gave me. Therefore, if I look at my life and and the the things that I believe about God, about Jesus and the relationship we have, if I look at that in the in the true light of day, then I'm going to be a humble grateful person. I don't have to race anybody because I don't have anything to prove and I don't have anything to lose. Now, these are some they're not they're not necessarily things you're going to feel in the heat of the moment when something awesome happens to somebody. But if we can like Jed's saying, if we can lead out with learning what it means to celebrate somebody and then realizing now we're on the same team and mm-hmm. that makes sense because I'm not actually competing with anybody. Mm-hmm. The good news of my faith is, guess what? I already won. I already yep. won everything there is to to win. That's why Jesus said the meek will inherit the earth. I mean the people who the the people who Jesus has given eternal life to, it's like psh, I didn't deserve it. I'm I have more than I could ever earn. Therefore I already win. Therefore we're not in competition. So I can celebrate you because as Matt's saying, this isn't a scarcity of blessing. If you get blessed, I don't have less. There's plenty for everybody, and I already have way more than I could have ever hoped for. And so that's a good way to start to, to you know, that that's the place where we want to land in our mindset as we start to look on, you know, how to celebrate people and how not to f- to let those feelings of jealousy run the show. That is A, absolutely true, and B, involved, uh, you can tell the mind of a preacher because he got to that rhyme couplet real quick. Yeah. That was Johnny Cochran-esque, and I enjoyed it. I think we all did. Yes, uh, a lot of good points in there. Glenn, I'd love to, you to uh, point out something both uh, Lee and Jed have spoke to, which is um, this has infinitely less to do with your what's happening to your friend and more about how you feel about your life. Yes. Because yeah. um, that's, that's the way humans work. Jealousy mm. kicks up when you're uh, not happy with your thing. Yes. And this focus on winning and competition. I can't think of any high-profile examples of the world of someone who objectively has a lot but always feels like they're losing and that drives them insane nothing right. comes to mind nothing comes right. to mind but how do we how do we 
if we can diagnose a problem as one of self-image, then what do we do with that? Well, yeah, I think it's a it's about recognizing that that on some level you want to be happy for your friends more than what you are, and you and and you are kind of focused on your own situation. Yeah, it's worth pointing out that if you're you're writing in to try to figure out how to do this, you're far more motivated than most people who are stuck in these cycles of jealousy and passive aggression tend to be. That's right, and I I think. What's weird is, first of all, I totally agree with what Jed's saying about it. It's a small number of people who truly celebrate successes with 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 you, with me, with yeah. anybody. I mean, this is mm-hmm. how this works. Uh, and and I don't think that's a bad thing. You just adjust for that. You recognize I have an inner circle that really is happy for me, and everybody else, maybe they're they think it's neato, but it's, it's good. You know, it's good. It's, there's that. But more than anything, they're focused on their own thing. That's the That's main right. thing stopping them from being happy. For you. That's right. Uh, it, it should also be said um, that some people uh, tell you about their successes in a way that's sort of designed to make you feel yep. bad. Uh, I get a certain significant amount of that uh, in my life, where someone says, and "You don't even have Instagram." That's right. You know, it's just, "Hey, look at look at my thing. It's better than your thing." You know, whatever. And that's pretty like, great being me. Yeah, you know, it's like, well, who are you trying to convince here, buddy? Because <laughs> I don't care. You know, so um, you know, I think there. I think we have to be uh, uh, take a break on ourselves and give ourselves a break that sometimes people are trying to get you jealous, yeah. you know, that that's, that's the objective here. Yeah. Well, you're, you're very least probably as both these guys touch on getting cultural messages about how this is a zero sum game. That's, that's not right. necessarily your fault. We do have to push back against it. Exactly. Right. And I think the, the last piece of that is to look at be, to be more honest about what success really mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's an old, old uh, saying about a uh, quick, Success, quick, quick uh, rises to 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 fame or or success. Uh, 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 the the old saying is nothing rises as fast as dust. Mm. You know that this idea that uh, you know this uh, triumphant uh, uh, rise to victory or whatever looks great, looks amazing. Generally, that doesn't necessarily imply. Uh, a lot of inherent quality that has allowed that to grow over time into something good and solid. Uh, th- there are a lot of people who succeed that don't deserve it and and shouldn't should not have it. There are again, people... can't think of any high profile examples. Yeah, yep. that's right. There there are a lot of people who uh, do hard work and do well, and uh, it goes unnoticed, and the, and they aren't perceived as successful, even though they are. And that can you know you I don't think we want to to fault somebody for feeling a little bit better about that. I mean, I think it's understandable. I mean, I can speak for myself. You know, when I started my career, I'm working as a prison chaplain and I'm working behind bars. There was certainly very early on a lot of amazing stuff going on, but nobody was there to see it because, mm-hmm. you know, you got to be locked up with me to see what's happening here. I can try and describe it, but if you're not a prison chaplain, you don't really know what that is yeah. or what it looks like. It doesn't even sound like the world that you're in. And, you also don't know how difficult it was to pull that off, and mm-hmm. you know, I mean, you have no context, no context at all. So, uh, you know, so I would tell people, "Here's what's going on," and they would just sort of give me baffled and confused looks and whatever. And it's like, it kind of stinks to to have you know a certain type of success here, and nobody quite knows how to right. validate yeah. that or celebrate yeah. it with you or whatever. 
And then everyone wants to talk about this cool new other thing that someone else is doing that's pointless and silly and ridiculous and and of, of no worth, and they have a bigger budget and whatever. It sure, runs yeah. a Schmiding rig. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That's there's there's going to be a strong tendency to be a little better about that. No question about it. Uh, so I, I think we need to get out of beating up on you, but I think it's about recognizing that uh, that success and uh, you know having quality uh, a quality life and having something that's deserved out of that. We have to separate those things out. There's lots of people who who have accidental success. They have success dumped in their life where it's not a product of an intrinsic quality they have. That's a good word, man. Well, it's worth saying as a bonus note, and it's been hinted at already. Uh, Lee is fond of saying, and he's right, if you have a struggle in life, you need to know the things that are going to trigger you um, and at least manage your exposure to those things. Uh, if you're struggling with jealousy, give yourself permission to take a break from social media. Right. Yes. Uh, Amen. Facebook is designed to provoke jealousy and envy. Yep. I mean, it, yeah. I, if, you know, if you told me that it was designed, I mean, literally designed for that purpose, I'd have a hard time disproving it. Um, right. It's, it is everybody given the highlight reel of all the things that they're bragging about. Right. And to be clear, when... It, these are two very different scenarios. Your buddy who's been out of work for six months comes to you and says, dude, I finally got a job. That's something too. We're going to celebrate. It's ice cream. It's amazing. It's right. wonderful. It's fantastic. That's not a parallel situation to someone on Instagram or Facebook saying, what's up, bros? Just doing my vacay in Fiji. Everything's good. Right. I'm a jet ski. Right. Right. Probably right. wish you were me. Well, right. Right. Th that's a different situation. That's right. Um, that's right. He's not looking to be celebrated. He's looking to be envied. Yes. That's, that's the Thank point you. of this. Yes. Um, and, I'm not saying you need to, you know, uh, uh, lose your computer, but give yourself permission to just stay away for a while, um, you know, because it's it's tough. And there's no point when you have a struggle and you're trying to make headway on it. There's no point putting yourself in a high temptation environment if you don't need to. Yeah. I think that's all really fantastic stuff. Also, don't want us to skip past the fact that uh, Glenn saw and raised Lee's uh, rhyming preaching thing with a Texas preaching thing. Yeah, I think that's important. And I just want to point out to the people the way the sausage is made on these things. Also, Jed also just rhymed jet ski and Fiji, so we're, we're, we've all got the bug. Boom. Yeah, it's all, it's all happening. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot of great advice on this stuff. The one thing I, I'll add to the end of it is um, it's a lot easier to not feel jealous, even if you're not succeeding at something yet, when you're in motion on yeah. it. We talk about that all on the show of, you know, if, if everybody around you is getting engaged and you, you're bummed out about that. Um, it may be, you may think, well, that it would be way more of a bummer if I was on eHarmony and going on crappy dates. It will, in a weird way, be a lot less of a bummer. Yeah. Um, that sure. jealousy, that passive aggression, as we're talking about, that's, uh, on some level, it's good to think of that as kind of a built-up energy that has to go somewhere. Yeah. A built-up misery. So if you're putting, if you're ex expending that energy in any kind of constructive way, that's really going to, A, help you um, be happy for your friends, because as exactly as... Glenn's pointing out here that is going to help you see the thing that happened to them as a little bit of luck because mm -hmm. yeah. um, if you're if you're it's not happening because you're unlucky it's not that you're unlucky they didn't deserve it that's not the way luck and deserving works you, right. it does give you a lens to see those those things through and as the the main point here is a person with a life in which they are happy now that's an important point here as Jed's pointing out not that looks like something to the outside people that a life in which they are happy it's a lot harder to make that person feel jealous now the devil's still going to try so yeah. we got to manage our triggers and all that but if you kind of set out to a build a happy life and that you're happy with and b be happy for your friends if you can get in motion on both those things even in the smallest smallest yeah. ways it's going right. to make a ton of headway in your emotional health on Amen. that 
We're going to jump to our second question here. This comes into our email address, and it says, Romans 8.13 talks about putting to death the misdeeds of the body by the Spirit. How are we as believers meant to participate in doing that? The way this verse reads to me, it seems to suggest we should have an active and conscious role. It sounds like it should be us wielding the Spirit to deliver the death blow. Is that the case? If so, how do you do that? If not, what does this verse actually mean? And Lee, why don't you kick us off? Well, first of all, I love the idea of wielding the Spirit to deliver the death blow. That's an amazing sentence. So we just need to point <laughs> that out, the awesomeness. It's as, pretty as rock person, and roll. As a person who loves comic books, that was great. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, so here's the deal with, uh, with, you know, with Romans chapter 8, you know, we, we're coming off the heels of this dude saying in, in, in Romans chapter 7, gosh, I'm just wrestling with this thing of the, this, you know, it's like, I, these are the things that I want to do, I, I don't do them. And the things I don't want to do, I, I do do them. And who is going to set me free from this? I mean, I'm just in this turmoil of, I wish I could be the person that I want to be, you know, and for, for God, for myself, for my health, everything, who will set me free from the body of this death? And he says, and then he says, thanks be to God, you know, through Jesus Christ, we have, we have this life and everything. And then he goes into talking about what life in the spirit looks like. And that's kind of what Romans 8 is about. And he basically gets to this point where he says, okay, here's what happens. So in your old life, you, if you think about what you were like before you met Jesus, basically you did what you wanted to, you did what felt good, you did what you thought was a good idea, and things that were not good, things that were not good for you or technically sins or whatever, you didn't really think about that very much. That wasn't, that's, you know, you don't, you don't feel bad about doing sins or anything like that. That's, that's just not the, really the way that economy works inside your heart. You, you do stuff and it either was cool or it wasn't. And that's kind of the way that works. When you come to know Jesus, the Bible says the Holy Spirit comes to live inside you. And all of a sudden he's telling you, Hey, I've got something more for you. Mm -hmm. I've got something awesomer than what that was. And now you start feeling differently about what the old stuff was. Now you start feeling this conviction about it. Not, uh, not like you feel guilty and you feel like you suck, but you feel this energy inside you saying, there's more for me. There's better for me. This old thing, th this, these old misdeeds of the body, you know, the stuff that I used to be into that I used to not care about and just do, that stuff isn't as appealing anymore. And in fact, there's, I've got different appetites now and, and I'm looking for something else. I bet if we were to, just to take the kind of your life and plot it out, um, you would have, you know, you would have less sins than you used to have. Um, but that's not really the point of the Christian life. It's not really about sinning less. It's that God, by the Holy Spirit, lives inside you now. And he is calling you, convicting you, and pushing you, and pulling you, and helping you uh, become a different kind of person because he has so much more richness and so much more life for you. And if you look back over your life, you realize, man, I really have, in the words of, of Romans 8, I really have put to death a lot of the misdeeds of the body. Now, it's still a mess. I've still got a lot to work on. I know for me, it's still, it's, it's still a train wreck a lot of times, but I'm not the same person I used to be. And I don't feel the same way about the stuff that I used to be into that I used to. The Spirit of God and I are a team going towards a more healthy, a more fulfilling, a more satisfying life. Um, he's calling me to something higher, not because the point of the Christian life is to put to death the misdeeds of the body. That's not the thing. Putting to death the misdeeds of the body is kind of a byproduct of me becoming closer and closer to Jesus in, in our personal relationship. We're getting closer. 
And I'm changing because he's calling me to something higher, better, deeper, more satisfying. And so that's kind of the the nuts and bolts of how that process works according to Romans 8. He gets into the the fact that God is your dad now and the and the Holy Spirit is giving you a yearning to call him your dad and and that's all in that same thing, but it's all about that relationship. I, I see the I see the the lessening of sin as kind of a byproduct of this goodness that he's calling you into. That's a really fantastic way to start this off. I think that covers the basis of this incredibly well. Glenn, I'd love to get you to pick up on an idea that uh, Lee mentioned, and he covered very well, but I want us to dig a little bit deeper into that. It's certainly easy, as our question asker may be looking at it, to look at there is clearly supposed to be an active role in this. You're supposed to be active in your own spiritual life in a way, but that is not to take the place of playing whack-a-mole with sin. Right. So... A, real quick, can we cover why that's a super bad idea, and what are we supposed to do instead of that? If this doesn't mean individually put to death sins, what does it mean? Right. Let me read that whole verse, because I think it it will help us. If you live according to the flesh, you will die, but if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Okay, so... um, you know, uh, first of all, anytime we mention sin in the Bible, whatever the wording is, we tend to read that, don't do it. Sin's bad, don't do it. Yeah. That's actually not exactly what this verse is saying. What this verse is saying is, if we wanted to just boil it down, it's that you either choose life or you choose death. Right. And by choosing life, you put to death the things that are killing you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, it, it, you know, part of what he's asking here is, practically speaking, what does that mean to live out? It means to choose life, to choose those things that that give life. But in doing that, you will need to get the strength from the Spirit to uh, kill those things that are, in fact, killing you. You know, but what he's really trying to talk about in terms of sin is that um, sin destroys, sin breaks us down, you know. But he's talking about our, our, our nature, our sin nature. He's talking about, you know, this is the law of the jungle is might makes right. The, the law of the jungle is if you want it, you take it. And you, whatever you can get away with, do it. If it makes you feel good, do it. If, it, if, you, like, if you want to eat it, eat it, whatever, all those kinds of things. All that leads to death. All, that's, that's all, these, are, these things are a recipe for destruction and death. Uh, so we have to recognize within ourselves that these desires we have for pleasure and for self-gratification and all these kinds of things end in just a destruction. They end in a downfall. They end in uh, us not being satisfied. And, yeah. and, and our world, the thing about sin is it makes our world smaller and smaller and smaller yeah, and smaller. That's right. Yep. And he's saying this is something to break out of. This is a way for you to choose life. And, and, it, and uh, when you do that, uh, by going towards a deeper, broader, richer, more full life, you have to put to death those things that are crying out, saying, no, 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 no. Just you could have sex with this woman. She should just go do that. You could you could steal that and get away with it. Why wouldn't you do it? You're a sucker to not do that. Those are the things we have to uh, to in essence kill in order to move forward. And yeah, we're 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 accessing strength from the Holy Spirit in order to do that. But it would be wrong to say that this is a this is uh, 
as we often talk about on the podcast, this is some sort of a formula where you say the incantation, right. and then that kills the thing with the proper spiritual sure. dynamics of the spiritual warfare, and you know, with it's, the sage and whatnot. Yeah, it's 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 choosing uh, to deny your flesh and and go towards what the spirit is calling you to, and recognizing that 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 that's putting to death those things that are calling out for you to make the wrong choices. I think it's really fantastic. Uh, I'd love you to close us out on this. Um, both these guys have spoken to, and I think this is a good place to land, this idea of this is not as much about an individual doing something as kind of a, a change in status, a change in thought. Mm-hmm. I think part of that is we don't want to get our chasing our own tail on chasing our sins, but clearly, as our question answer points out, as both Lee and Glenn have pointed to, we're supposed to do something. Sure. But maybe that something has more to do with uh, new stuff than constantly thinking about the old stuff. Just a thought. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, couldn't agree more with all everything that's been said so far. Let's read that same verse from the message translation, which is the good one. Um, give it, meaning your old life, give it a decent burial and get on with your new life. God's spirit beckons. There are things to do and places to go. I think that, A, that's saying exactly what Glenn um, and Lee both have already been saying. And I think the thing we need to ask is, do you know what the new things and places God has for you are? Because um, mm-hmm. if, we, if we haven't put any thought into that, it's kind of hard to go towards them. One thing, this is not a it, – it is true in spiritual stuff, but this is just a behavioral principle, is eliminating behavior is much harder than replacing behavior. Mm-hmm. The idea of uh, we're just going to create a vacuum – you, you currently do this, this thing that's not good, and you're going to stop doing that, is much, much harder to pull off than to say, you're currently doing A, we're going to switch that to B. That's uh, just, just so you know, that's how, that's how life works. But uh, nature loves a vacuum, Jed. I've heard that. No, no, uh, super not. <laughs> uh, did I get something uh, wrong in that famous quote? Yep, yeah. yep. But just as that's true in behavior generally, it's actually true in spiritual stuff too. Um, super duper true. So here's the funny thing. If you think just about, uh, you might have heard before the phrase opportunity cost for a second. Time you spend doing new cool stuff is time you're not spending doing old bad stuff. Right. I mean, it's just, it's unavoidably true. There, there's, there's no way around that. It turns out that if you start doing new cool stuff, it will, it will change you in a way where the old bad stuff doesn't have the same appeal and the same draw in the same way. And it kind of creates a cycle um, where you, you kind of want to keep doing the new cool stuff. And you don't really want the old bad stuff as much. But again, it just begins with simple opportunity cost. If you're doing one, you're not doing the other. So for example, one thing um, I'm... Uh, certain it's not what you're referring to, but a lot of times when people, when young people bring up this verse, what they mean is, I'm looking at naughty things online, um, mm, sure. and, and I should stop it. Unspoken prayer request. Unspoken prayer request. And the thing, um, I've heard this dynamic more times than I can count. I really want to do something to help people. I feel a call to do that. I feel an urge to do that. And something practical, you know, soup kitchen, whatever. But I got this problem with naughty stuff online. So what I need to do is I need to sort out the naughty stuff online. By get, staying home. By staying home. Get myself squared away. By staying then, home. By staying home. Then, <laughs> once I'm squared away from staying home, I haven't looked at anything naughty online in a while, then, boom, go help people. Right. Because then I'll be fit for service. Yeah. Jed, if you've got a better way to stop looking at naughty things online than staying home with my computer feeling bad about myself, <laughs> I'd like to hear <laughs> Here's the thing. I, I'm with Lee. I'm a train wreck. I'm a great big sinner. Right. 
I've been working with poor people and homeless people and hurting people a long time. I've never once handed a plate of food to someone and had them say, can I see your browser history before I receive this food from them? Just like a check-in, if you please. Nobody cares. You go out, you serve people, you feel energized by doing that, you feel built up by doing that. Your desire to look at the naughty things online goes down a little bit. Um, And you realize there's there's something better. You know, if you, uh, if the Lord puts something on your heart to serve people and you find a way to do that and you go out and you do that thing, you're going to find that satisfying you in a way that the misdeeds of the flesh, whatever those happen to be in your life, they can't satisfy you in that same way. Um, And it becomes a cycle. It it, it builds on itself. So again, it's about figuring out what are those new things God has for you, those new places he wants to lead you, and boldly, assertively, intentionally living into and doing those things and going those places. That's really fantastic stuff. I will, uh, we normally start with this, but I will close with the Bible nerdery on this one. Uh Uh-oh. Because if you go to the the Greek word, as you, uh, as we often Say you can go to uh, the website, I tend to use for this is biblehub.com, you can type in the verse, you can go to the interlinear, and it'll, you can click on that word, it'll show you all the other places it's used in the New Testament. When Bible scholars, actual, like, at a college Bible scholars are trying to figure out what a word means, they go through and do this exact thing. They say, where does this word pop up in the place it's what it's trying to say? Um, this is the same word as in cause to be put to death that they use when they say the Pharisees were trying to gather testimony against Jesus to get him executed. Right. So that's, right. again, this is this is not a... The Pharisees were not the ones who did the executing in a right. physical way. That's not actually what we're talking about. This goes back to what all three of these guys have said. This is more of a, this is more of a regard thing. Mm-hmm. You may, you know, once uh, once you got someone sentenced to die, to the government's idea, for all intents and purposes, they were dead. Right. This was no longer a person. There may be some more details to handle out on this, but once judgment was passed, that was the thing. They have mm-hmm. been caused to be put to death, which is the exact translation a lot of these use so again that's exactly what we're talking about here is this is not a, you have to go on a manhunt every every outhouse hen house poor house the whole way right. and find all the sins you have to start looking to do new things you know when when you if you're if you were in a court of law in these times once someone was put to death we didn't worry about what to do with them anymore right that was done we've figured out what to do with you know the next set of things so that is as all these guys have pointed out if you, this is a really a verse about forward motion about choosing that path as glenn was talking yeah. about and uh if you do that as all these guys pointed out you'll have less time and energy for naughty things and that's always that's helpful right. that's right we'll wonder our final question which comes in anonymously to our tumblr and it says can you give me some guidance about how a husband and wife can work out differences in finances and career as a husband, my wife makes a lot more money than me and or has a much better career trajectory. Should I be obligated to follow her to wherever job, her, wherever her job takes her? What about vice versa? Or does a partner with a better career dictate where the family goes and stays? So there, Glenn, I'd love to get you to start us off. There's a specific thing here, which is um, has a lot tied in with kind of gender roles and all that and whose mm-hmm. job is more important and all that. But I think there's, we'll, we'll certainly deal with that. There's also this idea of just, how do, how does this how does this work out in a relationship? There's no right. one of the kind of things when we actually are looking to be in a healthy relationship to communicate in a healthy relationship. How do we start and have these kinds of conversations? Well, I think what you maybe want to do is is develop a list, okay, and on uh, draw a line down the middle of the paper. On one side of that list, uh, uh, start listing out all the things that matter. On the other side of the list, list out all the things that should not in any way matter. Okay, mm-hmm. so for example, how much salary one can make if one moves to another city—that that matters. That's mm-hmm. a that's a meaningful number. Um, uh, uh, looking at um, if the wife is the one 
who's a primary caregiver and the and we want to have kids and figuring out how that would work with her career that matters that's a that's a reasonable thing to have to consider and look at and how do we how do we negotiate that out and make that work and does dad need to stay home with the kids and these kinds of things but when you when you start listing out uh, those things that that matter i think in 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 the case of this situation it'll be easy to figure out those things that matter the things that are going to be on the other side of that page, things that, that should not matter and should not factor in at all, are going to be those cultural things. Being a big, strong man? Being a big, strong right. man. And that this is the thing. Let's, let's go real big picture here. I want you to take all of what is written in that book in terms of the Bible. Yes. For those of you who don't pick up on this, occasionally in a semi-mocking tone, especially those up here in Chicago, when we see blatantly anti-biblical behavior from people who claim to be Christians, we will refer to, I think there's something about that in that book you say you like. <laughs> That's yep. right. right. If, you, if you take this book here, and you say, it is, uh, I may extrapolate from that, I may build on that in certain ways, I may, you know create a, my own sense of what's important in that, that's fine. Interpretations. Interpretations. If, if, if you were raised in a certain kind of home and it's given you that kind of, all fine and lovely. But mm. that should be far secondary to anything that's actually written in that book. Mm. Yes. So that there's a, 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 there is human tradition which should be regarded as almost worthless almost always going <laughs> to screw things up and make it worse, almost never honoring to God, and whether it's a church tradition, a denominational tradition, a, a family, family, tradition. family tradition, it's all the same. Human, human tradition just does not help anything for anybody, anywhere, anytime, as much as we cling to it and think it's great and wonderful and all that. The moment, and I mean the microscopic moment, that God leads you this way and that tradition leads you the other way, you, the righteous path is to take that that uh, tradition, throw it directly under the bus, trot it underfoot, and say, well, that was fun while that lasted. We're not doing that anymore, and moving on. Yeah. Well, it's absolutely right. I think it's a fantastic point. I'd love to get you to extrapolate a little bit out on uh, hating tradition, because I agree with you, and it entertains me endlessly. <laughs> yes. But I, it does sound like you're talking about, I think it's a great way to think about it, of split the page into, right. as opposed to a pros and cons column. Right. You know, things that matter and things that don't. It sounds like what you're describing is alternate headings for that column could be things that actually affect life yes, and things that don't. And tradition yes. almost always falls into things that don't affect life. That, you're pointing out, right. you know, salary is something that affects your life. You know, um, what's the cost of living in this new city? Right. Does that cancel right. this out? Do, our, do we have a good church community here and we need a new one? Do right. we have kids yes. who are in school? Yes. All yes. these things are things that would affect your day-to-day -day life. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, the idea that I once heard a Bible study about a stupid book about how the man should do X, Y, and Z. Yeah, holy cow. It certainly sounds like, other than... You may have picked up, dear listener, that people on this podcast have very little regard for tradition, mm. right. really, in anything. But part of, a big part of that is that we're just honorary people who have yeah. just rebelled for the sake of rebellion. Right. But another big part of that is we've seen we've seen a tradition wreck a lot of lives, right. never actually sure. seen it help somebody's life. That's right. Well, and, and I think off of that, what what building on what you're saying there is, we want to look at where does in in this case, this is a husband asking this. I want you to tell me, as a husband, where do you get your image of mm. what a godly husband Come is on. and what it looks yeah. like? 
Preach if that. You, if you got that from Scripture, I don't think you're actually asking this question quite yep. this way. Mm-hmm. I mean, not that it's a bad question. I mean, it's a, you know yeah, you're, you're trying to figure it out. That's why oh, you're yeah, asking yeah, the yeah. It's all beautiful, but it, it, it the 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 question is, I, I in fact I think this person has the right take that that he's not supposed to worry about mm-hmm. being a big strong man, but is getting outside influence that there yes. must be something there. Yes, yes. So I think it's really about looking at that situation and saying. That outside influence is not from God, actually. Yeah. It's just other uh, dudes that think they're a big, strong man, and they think that's what makes them wonderful, and they want you to be that. Um, also, if I can, just as we send this around, start you maybe a little further down the path of what God thinks a, 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 a good and godly husband looks like, um, there's, a, there's a lot of analogies uh, and examples that uh, that are used throughout the New Testament of what godly leadership should look like, you know. And and uh, one of the analogies that gets used is a, a shepherd that you're a shepherd for the sheep. Here's the thing: if uh, and and you know, there's other examples of being the the, the vineyard owner mm-hmm. and being a farmer, etc., and that kind of stuff. Here's the thing: if you're a shepherd, the shepherd does not grow the wool; the sheep do that. Shepherd just takes care of that situation. Yep. You know, shepherd done, a, 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 a vineyard owner doesn't grow anything. He's he, not poking the vine with a stick, going, come on, drink. Yeah, yeah he doesn't, by force of will and manliness, make stuff grow. <laughs> he tells us why he plants the seed. He just sits there and takes, and he keeps predators and animals from coming and whatever. Cultivates the environment in which growth can happen. Exactly right. Yep. That's that's the image that I want you to take away, is you are there to help everyone in that house grow and develop and, mm. and, and tap into their calling and do well. And you're there to nurture that, feed into that, to get the obstacles out of the way, to keep the, the, the predatory negativity of the world from impacting that situation. Well, yeah. but, but that's... That's what being a godly leader is, mm-hmm. an image of, I'm going to do amazing stuff, and everybody's going to facilitate that and get behind me being amazing. That's actually kind of not <laughs> that ain't it. it. Yeah. It sounds like a certain kind of leadership role I often run across in church. Can't think of it. Moving on. <laughs> yeah, I'd love, to, I'd love to go to you on this, because there is, there is an important other party. There really is. Particular decision, yes. and uh, life will not go well in the land for you if this party is not actively consulted. That other party, right? You are Matthew King. That other party is your wife. I like to. I think Glenn's right. I think you're trying to get pointed in the right direction. I think mm. you've heard some really jacked up stuff, and I think off of that, you've got there's a thought in your brain that that is kind of hanky. Um, here's part of the path to a, a healthy marriage: is talk to your wife, yeah, and say, "Here are silly things that I feel, but I feel them, yeah, and I need us to talk about them." Yeah, I'm not claiming that I'm right. I'm certainly not claiming we need to act on these thoughts yes, um, yes, because, yeah. uh, you know. I think it's really fantastic. I'd love to get you to explore one more aspect of that, which is we're also not saying that because you have heard weird jacked up stuff from sexist people that you automatically have to move to where your wife's job is. Absolutely. Right, this right. is about having a conversation where everything starts on the table, right? Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. So it's about saying I have thoughts, I have feelings, I have perspective. Mm-hmm. Some of that I'm probably right about. Some of that is probably biblical. Some of it's probably completely crazy. Right. Um, some of it I am so sure is silly I'm embarrassed to say it out loud. Right. But here's all of it. 
Mm-hmm. Here's here's I'm putting my cards on the table. Here's mm-hmm. here's what I what I think and here's what I feel and here's what I hope for and here's what I'm afraid of. Mm-hmm. And asking your wife to do the same. And here's what you'll probably find is that a you have huge areas of overlap. Um, right, right, right. If, if you did that with with your wife, I think what you'd probably find. I mean, I don't know, but I'd, I'd guess it is you both feel like, well, if you know, if one of us just happens to have a career, you know, I, I studied economics, you studied art history. One of us has a career where that just pays more. You know, right. that's a blessing. That's right. that's great. That's just good teamwork. That's just, good use of time. Exactly yeah. right. That that all that all works out. So you know, there's no problem there. Yeah, and if it works for the two of us, who cares what anybody else thinks? Exactly right. Exactly right. And you may find that there are a couple little details where maybe it's not even so much that you're not on the same page, but you do need to talk them out, mm-hmm. right? You know, it's the kind of thing where, well, yeah, but, you know, when you go to work and I'm, you know, I'm home all day, then that starts to play games with my head and whatnot, you know, and it, your wife maybe doesn't know that if you haven't told her that, but you need to acknowledge that for you. But if you'll have that conversation, you can talk about, well, then maybe we need to find you something to do where you're not home all day. Yeah, you know, right, this, right. this is a solvable problem. Yeah. We can, we can get on the same page here. We can, we can work things out and maybe your, your wife has concerns about things in her own way. And we can talk about those and we can get those together. Here's what I know for sure. A problem you won't talk about. You can't solve. Yeah. This is a guarantee. A problem that you will talk about in an honest and open way, you have every chance in the world of solving. There's nothing that can actually stop you. And particularly if you're willing to go to the Lord, both of you, and get wisdom and get direction, then the sky's the limit. There's no problem. I'd like to add one other thing, though, because I think this is... This is the thing about a lot of shame-based stuff, and that's what's been put on you here. Mm-hmm, like, yeah. you, you've been told something about manhood, and, 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 and it's got a shame element to you. Um, the... Um, there's always an or else element to shame. Mm. You know, you better be a big, strong man or else. And and I can tell you from experience in my own life, there is no or else. Right. Here's how this works. My wife makes way, way, way more than I do. Mm. Uh, my, my wife is, is very good at what she does. And um, it turns out uh, working in prison ministry doesn't really pay much. So yeah, I was about to say, it turns out everybody makes more than we do. Yeah, it's, it's actually really easy to make a lot more than I do. The, well, the, and she, she also ought to make more because she's amazing. Absolutely. And uh, way out of your league. That is in every way true. Right. Um, and uh, my perspective is I think it's just right. Mm-hmm. We're a team. It's fantastic. Uh, Turns we, out it all goes into one bank account. All goes in one bank account. Uh, we're a team. Mm-hmm. We're pointing the same direction. It's all It's all great. It's all lovely. Now, I have had relatives say to me in these words, I can't respect a man makes less than his wife. Wow. Okay. Right. Right. Um, now, here's the thing about that. That's the or else. Right. That's the moment. Yeah. Right. You, you better be a big, strong man or else. Or I'll come and say something mean. Whoa. And here's here's what happens is they come and they say something mean and you blink and go, uh-huh. Okay. Uh, all right. I, sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, carry on living in your mother's basement. That's right. Which was literally what was going on there. Can I go back yeah. to my gorgeous wife who makes a lot of money? Just going to think about how you don't respect me. Yeah. That's right. It burns, bro. Yeah. It burns. Yeah, it really burns. Yeah. It's really the, tough. The pain. The pain. Uh, I'm um, gonna leave in the nice car I drive to the house I own with my beautiful wife. <laughs> <laughs> you, that's gonna really stick with me, Ricky. Yeah, that's. I, I, I just can't enjoy my gorgeous wife and <laughs> and the money that I have and the house and the thing and the and she cooks great. She's yeah. an amazing oh, cook. Yeah. But I can't enjoy that now because you don't respect me. You shamed oh, me good, Ricky. You <laughs> yeah. did it. You shamed me. 
This is the thing: is there's always that or that or else, but it has so much weight because we haven't examined it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. the, tr- the truth is, if you and your wife get on the same page and she makes more than you want, not there will be people that think you're less of a man. Right. That is true. Sure. That's right. It also turns out it could not possibly matter less. Right. That's right. It That's doesn't right. make any difference Maybe. at all. Yeah. And the people that think that. If you reverse roles, they'd find something else to think less exactly. of you about. Yep. So it, you. it just doesn't matter. Here's the bottom line in a Christian marriage. If God's pleased, you're pleased, and your wife's pleased, no one else gets a vote. Yes. Yeah. If it works for the three of you, everyone else is cordially invited to shut the heck up and leave out of it. Yep. Given how tired Jed is, I was worried about the amount of swearing that was going to happen yeah, at the end yeah, there. That, that, and he that corralled himself was, impressively. That, that was, was agility. Right right there, yeah, yeah. That came in late. And it was on the first try, dear listener, because if there was a giant F on there, I'm not sure I would have had the fortitude to cut that out. Well, Lee, I'd love to get us close out here. I think, uh, obviously, these guys have put us exactly on the right path. Let's go more into that conversation. Let's go into, yeah. as, as Jed very rightly pointed out, it doesn't really do us any good to kind of prejudge and take things off the table before we get to this conversation. But that does mean making sure what is the preparation to go into the conversation about then? Is that more about our attitude? Is that more about kind of, if it's not, I want to have my bullet points laid out for this case. What am I going into this conversation to do? Well, uh, you know, I I really love all the, all the stuff we've heard on this from, from Glenn and Jed both. And now, even if you have a great team, who have made the pros and cons list and they, they know what, what to value, what not to value, you're still... <laughs> the, the idea that you're going to have this conversation without any tension or conflict is probably a little insane. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's look at that for a second. And, and, and I'm glad you kind of are driving it this way. When, when we go into a situation like this, one thing that is super, super important to understand about anytime you have a, a tension or conflict is that the tendency of that situation is for the temperature to go up. And what we want to do is we don't want to go in with anything decided. Like Matt's saying, you don't want to go in with any hard and fast rules over this is the way couples are supposed to do this because every couple is an individual team. Yep. And the way that we're going to, to live out the different circumstances and the challenges that we face and the, and the opportunities that we're given, that, that needs to be as different as a fingerprint. Um, and we need to follow the Lord's guidance on that. We need to follow uh, you know, the, the calling that the Lord's placed on our life, on the, on the life of our team, of our us, all that kind of stuff. And so when we go into these conversations, we don't go in with any hard and fast rules over this is what guys do, this is what girls do, this is what couples do, and these are what this is what believers do in all of these situations, bar you know none or whatever. We don't go into it like that. And whenever you go into a to a conversation where there's potentially a lot of tension and uh, and and high temperature, you want to go in with the with the attitude of the my goal is for you to know that I hear you and I understand where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. That's the way I want to go into a conversation that's potentially tense, where the, potentially the temperature is going to be high, is my number one goal is I'm not necessarily going to solve this right now. We're not going to decide city A or city B in, in this conversation. We're starting the conversation, and my number one goal is that I demonstrate to you that I understand where you're coming from. Not that I'm a lawyer you know, uh, uh, hitting you with exhibit A, exhibit B, why it needs to be my city and it needs to be my career. It needs to be my thing. I want to make sure that I demonstrate understanding because this is, and this goes beyond just the conver- the, 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 the topic of this particular question. This is just kind of some 
some, some umbrella advice. Anytime you've got tension or temperatures high, if you demonstrate understanding of that other person, even if you know they're wrong, even if everybody winds up saying they are wrong, if you demonstrate understanding, I promise you 100% of the times, the temperature is going to go down mm-hmm. and the tension is going to go down. That doesn't mean that you're, you, you're going to, you're, di- you know, you're guaranteed to have a big fight as you have this conversation, but our number one goal should be to not be defensive and to demonstrate understanding. The one thing that's really interesting is, especially a lot of these folks who come into these kinds of situations looking at the, you know, the, the, the big strong man thing, like, like Glenn was talking about early on, is that, you know, they'll look at certain scriptures and they talk about the, you know, the whole submission thing or whatever, forgetting the fact that before, before Paul laid out any of the, the verses that, that, that usually get quoted, one thing that he said was, everybody submitting to each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that mm-hmm. is as clear as a bell in Ephesians chapter five. He says everybody should be submitting to everyone else. Leadership is about servanthood, and we should all be submitting to each other. We should treat each other with humility. We should treat each other with respect. And and this is kind of like to specifically answer Matt's question. This is how we want to have this conversation. We want to have it with humility, with respect. I want to demonstrate understanding, and I want you to know that we are, to take Glenn's phrase, we're pulling on the same side of the rope here. We might not have this solved in one conversation, but I'm going to try to reduce the temperature as much as possible with the way that I listen to you, with the way that I talk to you, with the way that I approach the whole thing. That is a really fantastic point. I think it is worth kind of, it's a really interesting thing to look at what all these guys have pointed to, which is that this is in a lot of ways a different conversation than most conversations you're having mm-hmm. about making a decision. We think of negotiation, you know, they want $15,000 for the car, you want to pay $12,000 for the car, you kind of counterbid, counterbid, counterbid and come to something in the middle that generally both sides are happy with, but that's not really the model here. This mm-hmm. is not... Uh, this is there are maybe times in any relationship, particularly marriage, where you know person A wants one thing, person B wants another thing. We have to figure something out. You know, she wants to. You want to see a movie with explosions. One wants to see a movie with dancing horses. Mm-hmm. We <laughs> settle on exploding horses. Whatever right, it needs right. to be. Yeah, yeah, sure. But these kind of major life decisions are not really that, as you guys are all pointing to. This is there are a number of options on the table. This is two people trying to communicate about where is the Lord leading us as a unit, mm-hmm. and what do we need to do to get to that. So a part of, and that kind of pushes back against this kind of masculinity, the big strong man thing, or the kind of winner thing that some people raise with that is there's really no such thing as losing that negotiation. As we pointed out, you know, if you move to a a nicer place where you're going to have a bigger house and more money and you'll, your kids will have a better school system because your wife got another job, you kind of have to go really far out of your way to find the loss there. Yep. And it's almost certainly, as Jed was pointing to, it's almost certainly going to be something that was a totally artificial construction. So it's it's necessary to let go of those things. But as these guys are pointing out, and as you are kind of <clears throat> indicating with asking your question, you, we can't let go of these things if we're not willing to look at them, which means saying them out loud. And one of the uh, harbingers of a good relationship is that having a place where all these guys will say a lot, you can say, this, sounds, this is going to sound dumb when I say it out loud, or I'm probably wrong, or whatever you say. I feel like X, and then no, you're not going to be judged or ridiculed. You're actually going to talk that out. And if you're looking for a place to start with someone who's going to be a good partner, that's a really good place to start. To yep. say your dumb thing, and exactly as Leah's saying, get some empathy and some understanding as opposed to anything else, and you're going to get where you're going. All right, thank you for your questions. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr. 
Bluesfest.com. We're going to take out the song this week. We've talked a lot in this show about kind of living into things, moving forward into a future that God has for you. This is a worship song Jed wrote many years ago about something like that called My Reservation Has Been Made. This is from right. Live at the Bridge. Very cool tune. We're going to take out that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. Possible say that baby name. Glenifer Ezekiel Sorbo Osteen T-Rex Super Baby. Woo! Yes. You'd sell me to not be afraid. My reservation has been made. You have gone to prepare me a place Where we can sit and talk face to face Where you'll hold me and console me And let us pass away No more crying or pain Cause part of you lives now in me Though it looks like I'm falling apart The truth is you're transplanting my heart No more crying or pain Where you show